I always think that stepping out of your comfort zone is directly proportional to growth. So if you ever cling on to like any form of success or cling on to anything that you really like in the past, you're going to be chasing that past again and again and again, right? You'd never want to be doing that because then you'll never be growing. You'll never be looking at new experiences. You never, you're just going to stay in your comfort zone and like re- try again and again to recreate that same, you know, that f- same feelings, literally this, the, the message in the great Gatsby as well. Yeah. And, um, at, like for, for basketball, uh, you know, I, I was, I was uh, on the varsity team for middle school and uh, high school. And mm-hmm. for some reason I was never, I didn't really have that mentality that you had, right. I didn't want to be number one at all times. And for that, I've always moved throughout the season. I moved like farther and farther away from the, from the coach when mm-hmm. I sat down in the bench yeah. and it, it hurt because every day I would be, you know, working my ass off in practice. I'd be doing everything I can, but you know, I wasn't getting played in the games. Mm-hmm. I was getting less and less minutes throughout the season. And it like, you know, it hurt mentally, but you know, I didn't really, I tried to change. Right. Yeah. But I was, it was like the, um, how my teammates saw me and how my like coach saw me. Mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, this is, this was just me, a loser. Right. That's always on the bench. So yeah. I really applaud your effort for, you know, going, you know, just taking your like, your weaknesses and like the stuff that you're insecure about, like, you know, being bad at ball and stuff like that. And just like yeah. going and just making that a strength. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I want to do uh, myself in the future. So, for sure. For yeah. sure. And, and I think to your point earlier, like it's important to not get hung up on past successes. So actually mm-hmm. coming out of, coming out of Regis, like I was, you know, I was like, yo, I definitely just got into Princeton. Like I, I, I got myself here. Like I worked my tail off to get here. I could do anything. And then Princeton was the biggest slap in the face. Cause I came out of Regis thinking like I was elite. And then you get to Princeton and like mm. everyone's elite. And I yeah. was like, yo, what is going <laughs> on? And I had to kind of have this moment of recognition where it's just like so much of my Regis career and success that came from that came from a place of pain, right? So even like well into my, like my junior and even my senior year, so much of the motivation of, of what I was doing, like what I was doing came from just like, like, like the source of it was, was almost just like the pain of like, of where I was those first couple years and where I was right, right after the breakup. Mm-hmm. And now coming to Princeton, I had just enjoyed like one to two years of success. So there mm-hmm. was no, there was no pain to source that from anymore. There was, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have to prove myself to anyone anymore. I didn't have this attitude of just like, you know, like I had to develop myself every day. Cause to be honest, I was like impressed and satisfied with, with where I was. And so I had to find like a different energy source for my motivation. Right. Um, it wasn't pain anymore. Now it had to be, now it had to be, it had to be love. It had to be love for the yeah. people around me, love for myself, love for my family, love for the mm-hmm. social justice causes that I'm interested in. Um, yep. And who knows what that source is going to be like five, 10 years from now. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um, I certainly agree with your point that like, it, it's important to not get hung up on those past successes mm-hmm. um, and just be willing, willing to change, you know, like willing to adapt yeah, and be flexible with, with how you're going to keep moving forward. Um, yeah. So yeah, I definitely resonate with that. Yeah. So I actually want to kind of transition now and kind of talk about like the project that you're working on right now, um, Reclaim Energies. So for those of you that don't know, for those for those in the audience that doesn't know, can you please introduce to us what it is is exactly? Yeah. So so Reclaim Energies is a renewable energy startup um, that generates electricity from wastewater systems um, and more explicitly electricity from excess kinetic energy and wastewater systems. Uh, And so just like a brief description of how it works is that, you know, every time that like you flush your toilet or take a shower mm-hmm. or put something down the sink, right? All that water goes down into the sewers, right? And eventually that water has to go back to nature. But before it can, that water has to be like treated and cleaned. So like 
fishes and plants and bears and stuff can like be in that water and not they're not die from it basically yeah. uh, and the job of treating that water is done by wastewater treatment facilities the really cool thing is that a lot of these facilities the manner in which they treat the water uses gravity to move water mm. from like point a to point b and so what ends up happening is that by the end of the facility, the outfall where the, where the water's being released back to nature, right? You have just millions of gallons of water mm. gushing out, powered by nothing mm. but gravity, right? Got you. Got you. Uh, and we know, and we have known for a long time that like gravity plus water equals electricity <laughs> when you yeah. use like a turbine, right? And so mm -hmm. what we're doing is we're designing um, turbines to fit those systems, to fit those systems uh, mm -hmm. that would generate electricity from them, but also maximize efficiency um, around like the various factors that affect like how the, how the water flow changes mm -hmm. throughout the day and things like that. Um, the, one of the really exciting things is that like we are not, like we're not limited to just wastewater treatment facilities, like power plants, for example, also like discharge uh, like a phenomenal amount of water, um, like textile mills do as well, maybe even aquariums. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different applications for the technology, but we're kind of just starting with wastewater treatment facilities. Um, and it's it's a project that to be honest is like it's it's gonna be three years in the making pretty soon uh -huh. um, and it started out as just like a simple idea of just like trying to put micro turbines in your faucet so that every uh, time you like open your faucet yeah, yeah. to like <laughs> brush your teeth you mm -hmm. can like charge like a little battery or something like that and it's just, it just evolved and grew over time um quite literally um, yeah. to now where we're building like turbines the size mm -hmm. of the size of you and me and even bigger Mm -hmm. um, that would, that would generate electricity from these facilities. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, wh wh where do you see this going? Because, um, number one, like one of my biggest questions to you right now, and just from like a technical perspective, you talked mm -hmm. about efficiency, right? Like what are, mm -hmm. like how, how much do we have to spend upfront to get the turbine attached? And mm -hmm. then how long will it take before we actually make a profit and it can cover the expenses of the turbine? Yeah. That, that's like a phenomenal generated. question. Like that's a phenomenal question. So, um, the way we're looking at it right now is that there are a lot of facilities, just even in like New Jersey, which is the state that you just like, given that we're in Princeton, it has been like the side of like our prospective first customers. A lot of these facilities spend just like millions of dollars on solar projects, right? That'll, so so we, we had a facility that spent like 2.5 mil, 3 mil on a solar project that covered like 15 or 10% of, of its electricity, right? And so in terms of, in terms of uh, the amount of like energy being generated for like how much money, um, it's, 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 not, it's not great. Um, and a lot of times we, what ends up happening is that, um, and I'll just ask like the audience to, to kind of look this up, but the, but the mm -hmm. internal rate of return for these things is usually about like 8% for, for solar. Um, and for us, what's, what's likely going to happen is that just from the early early tests or financial models that we've that we've calculated, is that obviously our, our systems will generate less electricity likely than these solar panels, but they'll also be a lot cheaper, um, mm. such that the the return for your investment is much quicker. Um, Got you. And in terms of specific specific, just like you know how many years it takes to like payback uh, the system or things like that, it, it differs by facility in terms of like how much um, electricity you generate, how much water you put out. Uh, so it's hard to say a specific number, mm -hmm. uh, but these systems definitely will be will be upwards of like um, one hundred fifty thousand dollars per per facility. Um, but that's not that's not unusual given that they're spending millions on on solar. Um, and the really cool thing is that solar only really works when the when the sun shines, right? True, true. And the wind only really works when the when the wind blows. Yeah. But the yeah, yeah. everyone's putting water down the drains twenty four seven. So our technology works twenty four seven around that's the a clock. Great point. 
Mm -hmm. um, and so that's probably one of the one of the biggest value differentiators for us um, mm -hmm. looking at these at these uh, potential uh, customers. Great, and so I, I want to kind of understand like why you even started doing this in the first place, and what got you into engineering and entrepreneurship. Yeah, yo. So big shout out to my dad. My dad is my oh man, my role model in so many ways. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of just like work ethic, in terms of him playing basketball, in terms of engineering, like so much of what I do and who I want to be stems from him. Yeah. Um, and I know that I've always wanted to be an engineer just, just because he was, you know, I just want to do what my dad does. But over time I also found that I, like, I really loved math and I loved, like I loved physics. Um, mm. And so coming to college, I knew like I wanted to do it for sure. And I kind of just had to make this decision between like mechanical uh, engineering and like civil engineering getting mm. into college. And I ultimately chose civil. Um, this is gonna sound like a terrible reason, but because of mechanical engineering stuff, the material I just felt was too hard. Uh, oh. And coming to college, I had I had a lot of interest in a lot of other things. So, like I wanted to take a lot of sociology classes. I wanted to take a lot of African American studies classes. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do a lot of my social justice work outside of the classroom. And I felt like if I'd been a mechanical and aerospace uh, engineer, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have had as much time to do yeah, those things. It's too constraining. Yeah. It, yeah. I felt it was too constraining over mm -hmm. time. I, I would later find out that like, I, that like that thesis was kind of wrong and that I, mm -hmm. like if I pushed myself, I definitely could have done both. Um, but I'm, I'm not unhappy with choosing civil engineering. Um, and for me, the, 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 you know, further to that point, you know, I was kind of facing this crisis of just like, yo, like my heart, what fills my heart with joy Mm -hmm. is like the social justice work that like that's what fills me mm -hmm. with fulfillment and gives my life meaning mm -hmm. also fills me with excitement in terms of curriculum is math and physics right so how do i blend mm -hmm. this desire for engineering technology with the desire to do social good um wow. and doing civil environmental engineering made sense in, in, in that field because i could just do renewable energy right because if i'm combating climate change mm -hmm. if i'm combating environmental racism right i'm still adding value to people's lives i'm still making a difference for mm -hmm. people who are who are who are the worst off you know what i mean and so um even if it's marginal so so let's say i make i make a device right that mm -hmm. greatly changes how we generate electricity over like yeah. the next 30 years right while mm -hmm. that might not help directly like the poor family like the really yeah. poor neighborhood exactly right it means that over time, at least, right, like we're releasing like less toxins into the air um, from like our traditional like coal power generating systems, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and and they're, they're kind of like trickle down effects from from that point of view. Absolutely. So I, yeah. I felt like doing uh, environmental engineering would be like kind of like the, the big view or like the long way to like On, combine yeah. engineering. Like yeah, making for sure. Yeah, like in fact, it, it makes complete sense because, you know, in a sense, not only are you, you're, you're not exactly like closing the gaps between multiple different people, like right. different wages, but you're, you know, helping everybody in general, as in you're helping mankind. Right. Exactly. So exactly. you're uh, out there <laughs> doing work for our kids, my kids, your kids. Right. So, I mean, I don't think that's a loss at all. And it's definitely yeah. helping everybody. Sure. Um, and, you know, the trickle down effect. Absolutely. Like if if there is more energy in the world in general, then, you know, people who are poor, I would assume would be able to there's more to go around. Right. So, you know, people would have more. Yeah. And that's exactly that's a, that's a valid point. And I think also what you see is that in terms of like who gets like 
the basically like the shitty end of like what holds up our, our society so just like mm-hmm. in terms of like where nuclear power plants are built in terms of like where coal power plants are built in terms of like who's inhaling like mm-hmm. the fly ash from those things and things like that yeah. um it tends to be in in communities neighborhoods where like uh it's like highly urbanized like mm. low income things like that like in no way you're going to see like a power generation uh plant in like a really rich neighborhood in exactly. a gay community. like it, it just exactly. doesn't happen like that so the more you can start to phase out those things um like the more the more you, you, you help everyone for sure but you also definitely help people mm-hmm. people that are um that are worse off than, than most great all right now i kind of want to talk about princeton because um, yeah. a lot of our audience is uh teenagers right and we're all yeah. like we're a bitch for college so we gotta know a lot of, you know, as much <laughs> as possible as we can yeah. for you know to, to prepare ourselves and to you know get into the college of our dreams so mm-hmm. if there's like one piece of advice that uh, you could offer to teenagers like me um, who is on the brink of uh, applying to colleges, yep. uh, what would that one piece be? Yeah, so my sister actually just just finished the application process herself and she she's actually coming to Princeton in the fall. Um, mm-hmm. So super, super happy for her. Temi, if you're listening to this, congratulations. I love you. Um, <laughs> but I would say, I would say the mistake that I see too many kids make is that they they count themselves out early. Like, I see kids say, like, oh, I can never get into Princeton. I'm like, bro, what do you mean? Like, you're in freshman year. <laughs> like, like, you're in freshman year of high school. Like, what do you mean you can't get into Princeton? Like, so much can change between now and then. Like, between now and, like, the fall of your senior year. That, like, for you to say now that I can't get into Princeton, like, mm. that's wild. Um, yeah. And so, so I would say that, like, I'm, I'm a big believer of, like, if, if you set your mind to anything, you can achieve it. And obviously, I don't think that's always true because some people are in situations where systemically or other circumstances, like they are greatly disadvantaged and them overcoming certain gaps or hurdles is like way more difficult than the average, right? Mm -hmm. But I think in the college applications process, right? Like I think college for a lot of people is the, the, the key to making those generational jumps from like, oh, you know, I have my immigrant parents who never went to college and like me, I'm gonna go to college and become a doctor yeah. and now like my family's gonna be rich. Like like college changes mm-hmm. that for people so quickly, right? Exactly. And obviously I'm, I'm a big advocate for education. Like I think everyone should go to college or, or most people should go to college, especially if they think it's right for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say like, do not discount yourselves early and you as a student, I know like your guidance counselors will tell you a lot mm-hmm. of things. It's impossible to know what the selection criteria is like yeah. to the T for every school you're applying to. So mm. do not discount yourself early and say like, Oh, I can never get in. So I'm not going to bother applying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know kids who got into Princeton off wait lists who thought mm-hmm. they would never get in. I know kids who got to other Ivy's off wait lists, like dream schools. They, they got mm-hmm. in early. They got in regular action. Like I would, I would absolutely encourage kids to, to just, to just, just go for it. Um, and just like a couple of other points, like in your, in your, college essays right Mm -hmm. don't don't write what you think they're looking for just just write what what's true to you Mm. right just just write what is true to you because whatever is authentically you cannot be someone else right Mm -hmm. and so for me you know i i thought that like writing the story about like about like you know this girl breaking up with me and me crying and doing push-ups like to some extent like it was kind of corny it was like something like out of like an anime where like the hero goes like does first yeah yeah. at the same time it was like that was me right like i can bet you that like nobody else was was writing that story for the college application you know what i mean um so definitely just like be authentically you uh in your Mm -hmm. in your in your college apps um and then finally i would say that like no matter where you are right now in like your high school process right like 
and no matter what view you have about like your academic performance mm -hmm. like you can always get better like if you're at the top of your class you can still get better you know you do other things to, to prepare yourself for college um start learning how to code things like that if you think you're doing terrible it's never too late to turn it like it is never too late to turn it around um and i know kids who didn't even like get into college um or any college they wanted uh coming into senior year they graduated and did community college and then transferred yeah. to like a college that they did want to go to now they're <laughs> heading to like a master's program they're going to med school wow. oh, um, shit. So, so it's never it's never like you you can you can you can perform just like you can do a shit job of, of being on top of your academics the first couple of years of high school yeah. like that doesn't mean that like your life especially when it comes to like college is over like it is it has, yeah. so never too late to, to turn mm -hmm. it around so i would just encourage everyone to to keep grinding keep pushing through and know that like they're, they're absolutely a way forward yeah um and people like you no, mm -hmm. no matter how different you are people like you have done mm -hmm. it and people like you are doing it so um don't write yourself off you can yeah. definitely do it as well I love that. In fact, um, I think the best way to even put it is like you define who you are. Like don't mm -hmm. let other people define who you are. Don't let your past actions define who you are because only you can look inside and figure out who you really want to be, right? Like if you really want to be that kid that can't go anywhere, then, you know, okay, fine. Then just do that. But like, if you're somebody that has hopes, ambitions, you know, that wants to be better, wants to be number one, then it's never too late, right? Like I didn't do well in my freshman year of uh, high school. Like I didn't, get awesome grades i don't think i got all a's yeah. but you know I, I tried my best to bounce back i had like no extracurriculars yeah. and like it's never ever too late even if you're a junior right now and listening to this um you still have your senior year you still have like the remainder of the summer to yep. pick up on you know some more work yeah um, it's never ever too late i agree with that so much yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think i think the people who lose out in the long term are those that are that are um complacent and satisfied with where they are mm. and just I don't know. Continue to keep your mind open about like things you can do. Like I know kids who, who you know maybe were like not the best in school, but they took a summer to like learn how to code, and like now they're like geniuses at coding, and now they yeah. have like software jobs um, and things like that. And so look, like there there is no one path to it, but like definitely, mm -hmm. definitely writing yourself off is definitely the biggest mistake you can make. So yeah, keep grinding, grinding. Yeah, and on top of that, it's not like you know you you have to get into a good college to succeed. Oh, you made no. the point earlier, like, you know, you could go to the worst college, but as long as you're continuously learning and challenging oh, yourself, yeah. right, you could always make up for it. Like, oh, you know, yeah. like you went to a, you went to an amazing high school, right? But, you mm -hmm. know, for some of these listeners out here, we're all in like public schools. Mm -hmm. uh, but like it, it's, it's, we're all in the same world, right? Yeah. Like we're all on earth and we all face the same challenges. Well, to a certain extent. Yeah, that was a little bit too broad. <laughs> uh, but like, we're all on earth and we were all trying to succeed. Uh, our own definition should be made by us of what success is and it shouldn't mm -hmm. be uh, dictated by others. And we want to win in our way, not yeah. win in like our parents' way or our teacher's mm -hmm. way or anything like that. For sure. Yeah. Sure. I know, like, I, I know people right now who are my peers are like in the years above me that like, went to schools that are nowhere as good as Princeton, but I already know, like, they're doing things way more impressive than I'm doing. Like, their starter jobs are about to make way more money than mine. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it, yeah. it, I, I, but what my dad used to tell me is, like, it doesn't matter where you go, it's what you make mm -hmm. of where you go or you, what you make of where you are. So, uh, like, you, you don't have to get into Princeton to, <laughs> to, 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 to be happy and do something meaningful with your life. You know what I mean? So, absolutely. Yeah.